This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, we've packed a number of shows together to give you some highlights. I know you're going to enjoy the show. Thank you for being with us today. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell, and I have an exciting show for you today. Our guest, Josh Cantwell, is back with us. He was on show 433, which has been all, what, 1,200 and some days ago, uh, depending on what today's show is. But he's the CEO of Freeland Ventures uh, and a strategic real estate coach. And a 40-plus million managed in private money, 3,000-plus apartment uh, units owned, uh, uh, $25,000 to $50 million uh, uh, range in properties purchased. Uh, he's an owner-operator. Uh, just He's grown a, a large portfolio pretty pretty quickly, I, I would say, as well. But, but man, uh, just a vast array of knowledge and experience in real estate. And as an entrepreneur, we dove in today to nine ways to de-risk your business and investments. I loved these nine things. I wish we could have spent a whole show individually about each one of these, and we could have, but we highlighted a few of those uh, and dove in a little more detail, which I really enjoyed. I know you are going to learn a lot. If you just did a few of these things, you're going to be so much better prepared. Uh, Yeah, please listen to every detail. Josh, welcome back to the show. It's been a while. I think you and I were calculating almost like 1,200 plus days uh, since you were on the show last. I'm looking forward to catching up. Uh, so, uh, I'm a, uh, first of all, I'm a, I'm a family man, father of three, um, you know, follower of Christ. I am a volleyball coach. I coach club volleyball. Um, and I'm fortunate to have finally seen the light after 15 or 18 years as an investor about six, seven years ago, uh, really started focusing on commercial multifamily. We did thousands of residential deals and never really got free. With that, we were always still transactional, made big incomes, a lot, big incomes, many years uh, in the millions of dollars of range, but uh, never felt free. I always felt like I had to keep working. And today, I probably work about 25 to 30 hours a week. Um, I secret shop our buildings all the time. I show up sight unseen, which is one of the ways to de-risk your business. We'll talk about that. Um, and just focused on what I would consider managed growth. Um, manage growth. You know, I think everybody has a different pace at which they like to grow. Some people like to grow really fast and buy all kinds of stuff and just go crazy and they leave this chaos in their wake. We've definitely had periods of like that momentum like that. Um, but I also think that times like these, you want to be really smart operator and you want to grow at a pace that's convenient and comfortable for you or for me. And so I think that's, again, one of the ways to de-risk your business is to grow at your pace, not what the pace is you see of everybody else on social media. So we'll talk about that too. Um, And so today I'm really enjoying life because I feel like I have a tremendous amount of balance. Uh, My kids are going into a bid tournament this weekend for volleyball, and we have a chance to get national bids. Both my girls are really good and really competitive. Uh, So I'm going to shut it down on Thursday and go to this bid tournament and I'll be coaching my face off, man, with these young girls trying to help them uh, earn a trip to Minneapolis. So that that's that's a little bit about me, man. A little bit of personal stuff and some business. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I appreciate uh, just yeah sharing some real things about you uh, outside of business, as well as a couple business things that are at least one I wanted to ask you a little bit about before we jump into the nine ways uh, to de-risk. But uh, you you mentioned working twenty five to thirty hours a week, and everybody's saying, "Well, how does he do that? He's got all this stuff going on, all this you know." Buying all this real estate, managing all this, these team members, 
we're talking about growing, right? Or, you know, you talked about at your pace, but man, how, how do you get away with only 25 or 30 hours a week? Yeah, you know, it's it's cliche, but it comes down to the team, right? So me and my two partners, uh, Glenn and Tyler, I'm the majority owner and CEO, but I have two partners. Um, and we've split the business up into three swim lanes. Uh, my swim lane is acquisitions, asset, uh, I'm sorry, acquisitions, investor management, investor recruiting, pretty much the whole capital stack, underwriting, a lot of the things at the front end. And then I want to be out of the day-to-day so I can operate outside my business and above my business so then I can see everything that's going on and poke holes in things and you know think, think, think through things. Um, so that's my swim lane. Um, I've got a couple employees and staff that work under me. Uh, my my partner, Glenn, is, is a partner and also handles our CapEx division. So our VP of construction sits under Glenn. All of our unit turns, commons, dog parks, anything that has to do with CapEx falls under Glenn. And then Tyler is another partner of mine, again, uh, minority partner, but he handles um, asset management. And asset management means he oversees all the property managers. So he deals with the property managers who then deal with Obviously, everything from maintenance tax to leasing, evictions, and so on and so forth. Um, and so I've really focused in on what I feel is the two most important things, which is control the money, and then you have to be the one that rubber stamps the deal if you're going to buy it. You have to understand the capital stack, understand the risks. And so those two things, I think, is where you can control the entire business by controlling the funding. You can control the entire business by controlling the flow of money, you control the entire business by controlling which deals you buy and which investors you bring into deals. So I've taken that to be my, basically, you know, my mandate, if you will, as a CEO, that's my mandate to do those two things really, really well. And then allows me to go secret shop everything else. So then if I see something that's wrong, which I just did this morning, I just went to secret shop one of our buildings this morning, I can then feed that back to Glenn, feed that back to Tyler, and then they will take care of the execution of those kind of things. Um, That's allowed me a lot of personal freedom, uh, a lot of income, but a lot of free time as well. Now, if we were in major acquisition mode, Whitney, right now, we're we're definitely looking at a lot of buildings, but acquisitions have slowed down. Um, So that's part of it too, right? Let's be honest. Like Acquisitions are a little slower, which has given me a little bit more time for now. If that picks back up in Q3, Q4, then I'm going to be back to working pretty pretty heavy hours. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, I just know that caught people's attention too. And it's like, well, we all dream of working 25 hours a week, right? Uh, and, and then playing volleyball the rest of the time or whatever that may be, you know, or coaching. or. Uh, but no, that's great. Uh, it's really a team, right? It, it always goes back to the people, right? Surrounding yourself. Uh, but no, that's great. Well, let's jump in because I want us to have time to talk about these nine ways to de-risk your business or investments. I feel like it's... Perfect. It's always perfect time to talk about that, right? Uh, any risk, uh, but now as much as ever. Uh, so let's jump into some of those, uh, and and uh, I mean nine ways. Uh, but let's let's begin. Let's talk. Well, look, like if if you see some of the stuff that's coming out, it was an investor in Houston that just gave back thirty two hundred units to the banks. There was another investor that just you know uh, Arbor just took back uh, you know a major major portfolio. Um, and so you see some operators um, and some sponsors that are starting to lose their buildings. And that's obviously rule number one is, is, is not don't, you know, don't ever lose the asset because your limited partners basically get wiped out. And so I think it's very important as we look at this recession, we look at some financial distress, you know, there's definitely upside and opportunity, but 
We have to de-risk the things that we're doing. Um, and when things are really good for everybody, there's a lot of cowboys that make crazy decisions and they don't feel like there is any risk. Um, and so now you realize that there was true risk in the market over the last couple of years. It just didn't come to fruition until now. Um, and so there's nine ways to de-risk your business. So let me go through these real quick and then we'll, we'll dig into a couple. So number one is always invest for the long term and get long-term fixed rate cash flowing financing. And I'll explain that. There's really three different types, but I'll explain that. That's number one. Number two, always fast forward your CapEx and push it as hard as you can in the first 12 to 18 months. I hate doing CapEx organically. Number three, always secret shop your buildings and show up sight unseen. Number four, review your financials in detail every month without exception with your property manager and your CFO and with the CFO of the property manager. Okay, because the regionals, they don't you sometimes even understand your financials. The property managers don't understand the financials. So we force the CFO of our property managers to sit with our CFO and then me and Glenn and Tyler. So review the financials. Number five, commit to sharing everything with your limited partners. This is a big one and I'll explain this in a minute. Number six, overraise capital and make sure you have at least six months worth of operating capital in your operating account. And I'm not talking about stealing from your CapEx account to cover operations. Okay, don't do that. They're separate. Okay, number seven, underwrite deals at 70 to 75% occupancy and know if your deal is going to cash flow or if it's going to bleed and how much bleed it's going to have. Because right now, a lot of deals are bleeding. Number eight, use the same vendors over and over and over and over and over again. We're talking about contractors and property managers. We'll talk about that. Number nine, buy in one or two submarkets and stay close to home. Do not diversify into eight, 10, 12 submarkets and then think you're going to be able to understand all those submarkets, right? I would rather own 500 to 1,000 units in one or two submarkets than own a 200 unit here, a 50 unit there, a 100 unit here, a 250 unit there. Don't do that. Let's move to, I think it was point number six, because I ask this often, almost every operator interview, I say, hey, okay, you know, how do you, how do you prepare for a downturn? Are we talking about reserves? How do you calculate reserves? Some of that, and you talked about over-raising, having at least six months in operations, of operations in reserves. I love that. Uh, and I, I've even been scrutinized for this in the past. I, I tell you what, we had a deal. We were closed in March of 2020. Uh, so a week before the country shut down, we had a million and a half in reserves. And there were some people that were saying, Whitney, that's, that's too much. Like that's hurting investor returns. Like, what? you know, in the week later, we closed a week later, you know, you know what happens, right? But we didn't know if the world was coming to an end or what. And, but everybody was happy we had the million and a half in reserves, right? That when that wasn't part of CapEx or, you know, like you said, uh, but tell us a little bit about that. I feel like it's so important. I'm so big on that as well. Uh, so I just want the listeners to hear why you say six months of operations uh, uh, in reserves and what that means of operations. What does that include exactly? How do you calculate that? So what we're looking at is basically the full stack of operating expenses. So everything from management fee to insurance, real estate taxes, all the utilities, GNA, marketing and, and advertising, legal professional, all of that stuff. So a full six months worth of all of that. So if we 
took in zero income for six straight months, we would have enough money to still pay all the bills for six months, right? What do people say about us personally? We've been taught since, well, obviously personal finance teaching is terrible in this country, but if you're getting good personal finance training from a young age, what does everybody say? You know, have every rainy day fund. Make sure you've got six months of of your bills in, in, in reserves. If you get fired or you want to switch jobs as you and your spouse have six months ready. So basic principle, right? You also look at books like Ray Dalio. You look at books by Tony Robbins. You look at real great business thinkers that say, look, you're going to have a downturn. It's going to come from somewhere that you've never seen before. It's a great new book out right now called The Psychology of Money and talking about people that get DQ'd out of business entirely or out of investing entirely. And it came from somewhere that they never saw. Like every 20 years, the world totally changes. And so you could be on the cusp of the world changing technologically, socially, politically, and it's a risk that you never saw coming. Well, we got to have at least six months. Now, is a building really going to collect no cash flow for six months? No, like we're going to collect some cash flow, right? So really that six months really represents probably a year and a half worth of bleed. If you bled like 20, 30, 40,000 a month, you eventually that money would run out. Now, if you look at these guys today that did, you know, floating rate debt and the interest rates went up, they got killed because they had very little operating money at all. And they closed with the least amount of investor dollars possible because they didn't want to dilute the returns. I get that. They didn't want to dilute returns, so they didn't raise a lot of extra money. But now they're DQ'd. Now they're out of business entirely. They're giving assets back to the banks, and they're out. They'll never get back in. And so that to me is, look, it goes along with number one, Whitney. you got to invest for the long-term, get long-term debt, have a lot of operating cash, because I've been through, look, I've been an entrepreneur since I was 21 years old. I've never had a boss. Never in my whole life. I'm 46 years old, 25 years. I've been through three major downturns in the economy and my personal life, through surviving cancer, the economy, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I've seen this. I've seen it multiple times. I've never gotten DQ'd. There's been a couple of times where I've almost got DQ'd, but I had operating cash to work through. And then eventually things start to improve and get better, right? And so that's the, and to me, the minimum. And, and that comes from three different cycles of personal or economic upheaval that I thought, man, if I didn't have this six months, I'd be in real trouble. Yeah. No, I just appreciate you elaborating there. I've talked about it so many times on the show. And still, I hear different ways people think about it, or you know, or we'll have one month from the beginning, and then we'll we'll take it from cash flow, you know, to increase that, or 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 we'll do some capex stuff out of out of some reserves, or it's just all those things that people try to justify, right? Having raising less or having less in reserves, uh, and I couldn't agree with you more. Having that in there, I, oh, oh man, you can't rob money out of a bank loan from like the bank is not going to give you an extra draw to fund operations. That's not the covenants of the loan. It's not in there. They're not going to allow you to do that. Um, and so I've seen other operators fall into it like, well, you know, we, we need $800,000 to pay these aged payables and the bank's going to give it to us out of our CapEx draw. Bull crap. They're not going to give it to you. It doesn't yeah. work that way. You, you mentioned full stack of expenses. I appreciate you just, uh, you know, it's a full stack. Uh, and I hear some people say, well, it doesn't include, say, debt service or, you know, and 
Do you, do you all include debt service in that as well? I would hope. Oh, yeah, yeah. If I didn't include debt service, absolutely. <laughs> I just I want to ask because I hear it all kinds of different ways. But in partner returns, the prof payments, that's out because that's a, that's, that's, a, that's a profit. Right. That's from cash flow, right? Not that, but debt service for sure. Yeah. No, I appreciate the clarification. I mean, we could talk so long about each one of these things right, right. here. It's a great list, though. I love that. Uh, but man, we're running low on time. So we're going to have to jump to a few final questions, Josh. Oh, sure. actually, you had a number 10, though. Did you want to share that? Yeah, right. So I think I've hit the jackpot with these two partners of mine in the way that we structured it. So the 10th way to de-risk your business is to separate the responsibility between three owners. I have in my business what I call strategic permanent partners, Glenn and Tyler. They're not deal partners. I see a lot of guys out, social media, going to events, and they have a different partner on every deal they do. That's really hard to manage. And so we made the decision we were going to become a full-service internal investment firm. The three of us were going to be GPs. We were going to split the responsibility three ways. It's worked out incredibly well. And the stuff that we had that was outside of our market, that it wasn't the three of us, we've divested of almost all of those and sold those off because we felt like we had less control. And there was it was a lot more kludgy. It was a lot more cloudy on whose responsibility is it? Who's going to follow up? Is it your responsibility? Is it mine? Now, the fact that we have these three partners with three swim lanes, one with acquisitions and raising capital, one with CapEx, one with asset management, we can also, I just had this question to sit with me right before we got on the phone together. An investor asked me, Josh, what if you got hit by a bus? And I was able to explain to her, it's me, Glenn, Tyler, then our CFO, Roberto, then our VP of construction, Dave. So five of us would have to get DQ'd for the business to really be hurting. She loved that answer, right? So that's really the 10th way is to set up your partnerships the right way and try to partner with the same people on every deal. Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today.